we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. Let's take our Bibles this evening. And go with me to the book of James, James chapter number 4, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. James chapter 4, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. We'll read uh, through verse 12. The Bible said, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do ye think that the Scripture saith in vain? The Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law. And judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? In these opening verses of James 4, we have a rather stern reproof that is given by James as he pens the words that the Holy Scripture has given, or that the Holy Spirit, rather, has inspired him to pen. He's speaking to a group of believers who are at war with one another, as he describes it. They are fighting among themselves. The reason for those battles among themselves, he says in verse 1, was because of their lusts that war in their members, their desires. He said, you lust and you have not, ye kill, verse 2, and desire to have and cannot obtain, ye fight and war. Yet ye have not because ye ask not. So we know they weren't praying. They were fighting. They were lusting after things that were not what God had given them, and perhaps, of course, carnal. They were not praying. 
And in the case where they were praying, verse 3, he said, You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. They were praying for their desires to be fulfilled. They were not praying in the will of God. In verse number 4, he uses some very strong language. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God because they were loving the world. They were in love with the world, the things of the world. They were aligning themselves with those who were at enmity with God. Therefore, he referred to them as adulterers and adulteresses. Verse 5, do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? There's a, there's a battle, there's a conflict raging in every believer. The flesh lusteth against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. And so there's a battle raging within the believer. There's a battle raging among the believers, we see in these first five verses. And then we note in verse 6 that God gives more grace. He gives more grace for the battle. And wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. If we want this grace, we must humble ourselves. Verse 7, we must submit ourselves to God. And we must resist the devil. Verse 8, we must draw nigh to God, knowing that he will draw nigh to us. As we draw nigh to him, what do we do? We should cleanse our hands, cleanse our heart, purify your heart, he says. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. We should be broken over our sin and repent of our sin. We should humble ourselves, verse 10, in the sight of the Lord. We should no longer speak evil one of, uh, of one another, verse 11. We should not judge one another, nor should we judge God's law. He is the lawgiver. And he is the judge. Therefore, who are we to judge one another? Well, there's a lot of attitudes that are corrected in those verses, are there not? Attitudes that we all develop in the daily life of the church. And it really is miraculous to see a group of people who continue to worship together and serve the Lord together for a prolonged period of time. Because the devil is working among us, as is God, our flesh is at work. Our carnal desires are at work. And so we must be aware of this battle that we're in, this conflict that we're in. And among the things that James tells them to do in order to triumph in this conflict, we read in verse 7, in the second sentence of verse 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. I've been thinking about that verse in recent days. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. My problem is not that I don't know I need to do that. My problem is how do I do that? Because I'm no match for the devil, and neither are you. None of us are able to overcome him. But in Christ, we're well able because we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Jesus came to this earth 
took upon himself a body of flesh, and he overcame Satan. He went to the cross, he suffered and bled and died for us and into the grave. His body was placed and on the third day he arose triumphantly over death and over hell and over the grave and demonstrated his power once and for all over Satan. But though he is a defeated foe, Satan continues to work against God's will, God's work, God's people. Satan hates the church because Christ loves it. And anything that Christ loves, Satan hates because Satan hates Christ. Therefore, Satan comes against us. Just as he was coming against this group of believers that James is writing to here in these opening verses of James chapter 4. So how do we resist the devil? That's really the question. We cannot do it in our own strength, but we can do it in his. And so I want to give you tonight four things that we can do to resist the devil. Four ways in which we can resist him. And I'll invite you to turn with me to the gospel according to Matthew and the fourth chapter. Matthew chapter number four, and we'll begin reading in verse number one. Matthew chapter number four and verse number one. Then Jesus, or then was Jesus rather, led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up to a holy city, into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came. And ministered unto him. How did the Lord Jesus resist the devil? Satan came to the Lord Jesus and gave three temptations. Jesus had fasted for 40 days and he had prayed. And though he was and never ceased to be the Son of God, he also was a man in a, in a body. And as a man in a body, he was subject to. Uh, to the things that we are subject to, not to the sin that we are subject to, but to the physical uh, things that we are subject to, for example, hunger and thirst. So after 40 days, he was hungry. And the devil said, why don't you use your power, command these stones to be made bread. 
use your power as the Son of God to satisfy the craving and the desire and the need of your own flesh. And Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Then we find that Satan again tempted him and uh, said, cast thyself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee. If you're the son of God, then just jump off this cliff and uh, surely you won't hit the ground because if you're the son of God, as the Bible says, it is written, now Satan is borrowing the language of Jesus, that the angels will bear you up. In verse 7, Jesus said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Verse 8, again, the devil comes to him and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and said, look, you can bypass the cross and you can have all of these kingdoms. If you want to be the king of this world, then I'll give you the kingdoms of this world and you won't have to go to the cross. Aren't you so glad Jesus didn't take him up on that offer? Because he would have only been the king of dead men, dying men, sin-cursed men. But Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. So how did Jesus answer this temptation? Verse 10 he said to the devil, Get thee hence, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him. The devil left him. Now, though he left him, he didn't give up, did he? And as James says, we can resist the devil and he will flee from us but you can count on the fact that he will surely return. Day after day, he doesn't give up. Now, in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16, the Bible summarizes for us the temptations that we face in this world. 1 John 2, 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the things that we desire, the things that we crave, and the lust of the eyes, the things that we see that are beyond what God has given to us, they look appealing to us, and we would like to have them. And the pride of life, that is that we would be known, that we would be recognized, that we would have position and prominence and recognition in this world. Those are three major areas of temptation that all of us face in this world. And the Bible says that these three things that are in the world are not of the Father, but they are of the world. Now, it's interesting to note that when Satan came to tempt Eve, he used these very tactics to tempt her. Go with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6. Now, remember, the devil came to Eve in the form of a serpent. And uh, he enticed her to, he was seeking to entice her to eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He began to cause her to question what God had said. And then he refuted openly what God had said. And then he, he cast uh, dispersion on the character of God, saying to her that God was holding out on her. 
by not allowing her to eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that God really wasn't good. By the way, the devil will oftentimes use things uh, that are beyond what God has given to us or things that we know are sinful to, to tell us that God's not good to us, that if he loved us, he would allow us to have those things. Well, that's what he did with Eve. Now, in Genesis 3 and verse 6, the Bible says this, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food. She took a closer look at that tree. Maybe she didn't even get close to it before because she knew she couldn't eat of it. But now, with the serpent's help, with Satan's help, she's taking a closer look at that tree. And she sees that tree and the fruit of it, and it doesn't look at all like it would be bitter. In fact, it looks like it would be very healthy and very sweet, that it would be good to eat. That is the lust of the flesh, desiring what is forbidden. And then we note in verse 6, and that it was pleasant to the eyes. It looked good. It looked good. That, that fruit looked pretty appetizing, and it was beautiful and appealing. And perhaps it appeared to her for a moment that it was more appealing than any fruit in the garden. Why is it that we find the grass to be greener on the other side of the fence? You've watched, maybe, if you've grown up around farm animals, a, a cow stretch his neck to get beyond the bobbed wire to eat the grass on the other side of the fence when the grass on the other side of the fence tastes just exactly the same as the grass on the inside part of the fence. You see, we're always seeking what's on the other side, what is forbidden, what we should not have. It was pleasant to the eyes. And a tree to be desired to make one wise. Eve thought, if I'll eat this fruit, I'll have the same knowledge that God has, and I won't need God. I'll be like God. By the way, there's a lot of people who would never say that but live that way. They don't want anybody to tell them what to do. They want to do what they want to do. They are in rebellion against God. This is the pride of life. And you see, Satan tempted the Lord Jesus in these same areas. The lust of the flesh. Eat, uh, eat command these stones, be made bread. You're hungry? Why don't you feed yourself? Look at these kingdoms. Look how glorious and majestic they are. The lust of the eyes. Cast thyself down if you're the son of God and let God send his angels uh, to preserve you. Put on a show for us, the pride of life. How did the Lord Jesus answer these temptations? Well, we know that he could have answered them any way he chose to, but I believe he answered them in a pattern to show us how we can answer them with three simple words. It is written. It is written. So number one, resist the devil with the word of God. Resist the devil with the word of God. We need to read the word. We need to study the word. We, we need to meditate on the word. We, we need to speak the word and memorize the word. We need to know the word. Wherewithal shall a young man uh, cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. You say, I can't take heed 
uh, concerning my way. I, I can't examine the route in life that I'm going, and I, I can't deal with the temptations that I'm facing in light of the Scripture if I don't know the Scripture. And so I need to fill my heart and mind with the Scripture. I need to allow the Scripture to transform me. That's what Paul wrote to Timothy and told him. The Scripture changes us. It is powerful. It saves us and it sanctifies us as we fill our heart and mind with the Scripture. And when temptation comes, let me tell you a good way to deal with it. Quote some Scripture to yourself and to the devil and make sure he hears it. Now, he'll talk psychology and he'll talk willpower all day long, but he has no interest in talking to you about what the Bible says. So if you want to resist the devil, read the Word, study the Word, memorize the Word, meditate on the Word, speak the Word. If there's some particular areas in your life that cause you to stumble, then why don't you find some scripture that deals with those areas? And why don't you take a pencil and write those scriptures out? Write them on a three-by-five card. Write them in a notebook. Keep that notebook handy. Read those scriptures to yourself. Memorize those scriptures. Fill your heart and mind with those passages. If you struggle with envy or you struggle with doubt or you struggle with lust or you struggle uh, with some other form of temptation, then encourage yourself by memorizing and studying the Scripture, the Word of God. And read it out loud and let the devil hear it. So if I'm going to resist the devil, number one, I can re resist the devil with the Word of God. Number two, I can resist the devil in worship of God. I can resist the devil in the worship of God. Now, we're going to the Old Testament to find this example. Would you go with me to the book of Job, chapter number 1? Job 1, and uh, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. Resist the devil in the worship of God. Now, the Bible says there was a man, in verse 1, in the land of Uz, whose name was Job. And that man was perfect. It doesn't mean that he was sinless, but it means that he had a testimony uh, of, of completeness and wholeness that he walked with God. That man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. This man, Job, was a good man. And there was born unto him seven sons and three daughters. So he had ten kids. His substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. This man was the most blessed. He was the wealthiest man in all the East. Verses 4 and 5 tell us that he was concerned about his children, and he offered sacrifices for them. In verse number 6, the Bible tells us that there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? You see, Satan is accountable to God. And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. Now, what was he doing? He's walking about as a roaring lion, and he's seeking whom he may devour. Verse 8, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, 
that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. God brought Job up to the devil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Well, no wonder he worshiped you. You take such good care of him. Verse 10, Hast thou not made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power, only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Satan has gone into heaven before God, before all the angels and all the hosts, and he's basically said to God, God, you are not worthy of worship. The only reason Job is worshiping you, the only reason he prays and sacrifices is because you've given him children and health and you've given him wealth. You've blessed him. No wonder he worshiped you. God, anybody would worship you if they had everything that Job had. And the Lord said, okay, well, let's find out. Now, God already knew the outcome. Verse 13, and there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house, and there came a messenger unto Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them, and the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. They have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped to tell thee. So he loses the oxen and the asses and the servants. And he gives the report to Job. While this man is talking to Job, maybe in his office, another man comes running through the door. Verse 16, while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God is fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep. By the way, he was giving credit to God for doing that, and God didn't do it. Be careful what people tell you God does. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Well, he couldn't get the words out of his mouth, and here comes another. Verse 17, what does he say? The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. He's lost everything. He's lost all of his animals, all of his farm, all of his wealth. Verse 18, while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead, and I only am escaped alone to tell. A bad day, a really, really bad day. Just got much worse. Animals can be replaced, people can't. The devil did this to Job. He attacked him, came against him. And the devil said, if you let me do this, Job will curse you to your face. So how did Job resist the devil? Look in verse 20. By the way, Job didn't know any of this had happened, did he? God didn't whisper in his ear and tell him what was going on. Job was living like you and I are, by faith. Verse 20, 
Then Job arose and rent his mantle. That's something that was done. He rent, he, he rent his, his garments, his outer garments. He shaved his head. He fell down upon the ground. And would you say the next word with me? He worshiped. The devil didn't expect that to happen, right? The devil said, you know, if you let me touch him, he'll curse you to your face. The only reason he's worshiping you is because you take such good care of him, because you have so blessed him. But Job proved that wasn't true, didn't he? What did Job say? Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return hither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. In chapter 2, Satan reappears before God, and he says, I'll tell you what, if you'll just let me touch his body, he'll curse you. I, I, I get it. He, 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 didn't, he didn't curse you when I touched his possessions. But you let me touch his body. Just let me have him for a little bit, and he'll curse you. And the Lord said, you can touch him, but you can't kill him. And so he did, and he was smote in verse 7 of Job 2. The Bible said, so went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot into his crown. He took him a potsherd to scrape himself with all, and he sat down among the ashes. Then said his wife unto him, dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. But he said unto her, thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? In all this... Did not Job sin with his lips? How did Job resist the devil? He resisted the devil by worshiping God. Do you know the devil doesn't like to hang around when we sing about Jesus? He, he doesn't like it when we praise the name of Jesus. Are you having a difficult time? Are you going through a great trial? Then why don't you just lift your voice and praise Jesus? He said, well, pastor, I don't feel like it. Well, that's okay. You can still praise him on faith. Amen? I don't know that Job felt like it either, did he? Job, the things that you love the most in this world, your children, are gone. Everything that you've worked for all of your life is gone. And what did Job do? Did he fuss and complain? No, he worshiped. That's why we ought to worship. When you go through difficulty, that's not the time to stop worshiping. That's the time to start and be strong in it. Satan is not interested in a worship service where the name of Jesus is proclaimed. Well, let me give you a third thing. And we find it in Ephesians chapter 6. Would you turn there with me? Ephesians chapter number 6. You see, we must remember the reality that we are in in this moment. We are saved. The Holy Spirit of God lives within us. We have a home in heaven. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. But we are still in a battle. A spiritual conflict is raging all around us. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 
Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always, how often? Always, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. How am I going to resist the devil? I'm going to resist the devil with the weaponry of God. The weaponry of God. I'm in a battle. I'm in a conflict. But I'm serving the captain. And the captain has conquered the devil. And the captain has armed me. He has provided me with the armor and the weaponry that I need to stand strong in the battle. I'm in a spiritual conflict, and I must acknowledge that. I must recognize that. I think so many are discouraged in the conflict, almost to the point, and some have already passed the point, where they've given up. They don't feel like they can live in victory. Well, I want you to know that you can't unless you live in faith, trusting God in the victory that Christ has won for you. And you will fall subject to the devil. You will fall to his tactics if you do not resist him. So many allow Satan to come in. Would you turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2? I want to read something to you in 2 Timothy chapter number 2. Paul makes a statement here to Timothy that I believe is something that we must take note of in 2 Timothy chapter number 2 concerning Satan's ability uh, to, to come against believers. 2 Timothy 2, verse 24, and the servant of the Lord must not strive. He's speaking to the pastors, to the teachers. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. You know, there are Christians who oppose themselves. The choices they make, the attitudes they harbor, the unforgiveness, the bitterness, the resentment, uh, the openness to temptation, the things that they allow into their life, they oppose themselves. And he says, if you're going to help those people, you can't fuss and complain and fight against them, but you have to be gentle and you have to be patient and you have to teach them. He says, instructing those, verse 25, that oppose themselves if God peradventure will give them repentance. That's the goal. That's the goal of the minister, to love the people, to preach to the people, the ones that are, are, are at times difficult to love, difficult to preach to. Verse 26, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. There are believers who are ensnared by the devil. They're in a prison, like we looked at last week, ensnared of the devil. And notice what he says in verse 26, who are taken captive by him at his will. 
In other words, Satan knows us. He knows our weaknesses. He knows what will trip us up. And every time we begin to make spiritual progress, what does Satan do? He comes against us and he easily ensnares us and halts our spiritual progress. Well, we've got to recognize that. And we have to resist the devil. We're in a spiritual conflict. Verse 12 of Ephesians 6. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We have a formidable foe who is stronger and more organized than we could ever be. But we have a Savior who is far greater than he. And he says to us, don't worry about him. Take unto you the whole armor of God. He cannot penetrate the armor that I've given you. So put on the armor of God. Pray it on every day. Take the sword of the Spirit. That's the only thing that can strike a blow to Satan. And pray always. If you want to resist the devil, put on the armor of God and pray and trust God and walk in faith. So how do we resist the devil? Well, we resist the devil with the word of God. We resist the devil in the worship of God. And we resist the devil with the weaponry of God. Let me give you a fourth and final thought. We resist the devil with watchfulness. With watchfulness. Now, we talked about those who are taken captive by the devil at his will. I mean, Satan doesn't have to, he doesn't have to, uh, really put on an all-out assault. He just makes up his mind. I know this guy. I know how to trip him up. And so he does. He takes him captive. He, he ensnares him. Why? Because he's not watching. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, stay awake, stay alert, spiritually awake, spiritually alert, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Satan wants to eat you up. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your children. He wants to destroy your testimony and your effectiveness for Christ. He wants to destroy your devotional life and your prayer life. He's seeking to devour you. Verse 9, whom resist? I've got to resist him. If I don't resist him, he's going to eat me up. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. I've got to be on guard. I've got to be watchful, knowing the time that it is high time to awake. Awake thou that sleepest. Men of Tabernacle Baptist Church, we need to wake up. And we need to watch over our wives, over our children, over the influence that has come into their lives. We need to be watchful. We have the responsibility to provide and protect for our families. Ladies, don't fight and resist your husband when he wants to watch over your home. Submit to his leadership. Yes, that's still in the Bible. doesn't mean he's to be a tyrant. 
The problem is not that we have so many men who have such tyrannical methods of leadership. The problem is that we have so many men, and I'm not speaking in particular of this church, but so many men who won't take any leadership in their home. And Satan is out there. And you're the priest and protector of your home. So by God's grace, lead it. Be watchful. They came against Nehemiah. He heard about it. Verse 8 of Nehemiah 4, and conspired. The enemies conspired all of them together to come to fight against Jerusalem. Let me tell you, there's a great conspiracy going on right now. The devil is behind it all. And what does he want to do? He wants to come into your life and your home and destroy your children and destroy your marriage and destroy this church. That is what the devil wants to do. And we better wake up and be watchful. And that's what happened in Nehemiah 4 and verse 9. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. Ephesians 4 verse 27 tells us that we are not to give place to the devil. Ephesians 6, 11 tells us that we're to stand against the wiles of the devil. We are to understand his tactics. We are to be watchful. We are to identify the ways that he comes against us. We, not, we do not need to be ignorant of his devices. We better be watchful. Satan uses tactics, tactics of mockery, Persecution, discouragement, fear and intimidation, division, deception, temptation, compromise, shame, guilt, accusation. Do you know the devil is the accuser of the brethren? He accuses the brethren before God night and day. He tries to bring shame. He induces us. He tempts us to sin. And then when we sin, he beats us to death with it. Shame and guilt. But I've got some good news for you. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. So when the devil brings up confessed sin in your life, I'm talking about sin that you've confessed to God, received forgiveness of, then you can just tell him, Romans 8 verse 1. Quote it for him. Quote it to yourself. Resist the devil. Be watchful. Don't allow division to come in. Somebody tells you something about another member of this church and you know better than that in your heart, then don't believe it. Don't allow them to, to, to fumigate a bunch of poisonous things in your life. Just squash it with the truth of God's word. Pull for one another. Believe the best in one another. Keep things on the up and up and on the sunny side. Don't let the devil stir up discord. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I've got a feeling we haven't resisted him very well. So how do we resist him? With the word of God. Tell him what the Bible says. Resist him in the worship of God. Just sing about Jesus and, and, and praise his name. Don't be ashamed to do it either. Let your co-workers hear it. Resist Satan with the weaponry of God. Put on the armor of God. Take on the sword of the Spirit. Grab the shield of faith. Quench the fiery darts of the wicked. Wear the helmet of salvation. Resist the devil. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. Resist him. Resist him with your watchfulness. 
Be sober and be vigilant. May God help us. James chapter 4 and verse 7. Jesus said, resist, or the word of God says, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I'd like to see him run for a little bit, wouldn't you? By the way, he'll come back. Thank you for listening. Let's learn to we pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.